Speaking Interested in starting the podcast? Yes. Okay. I'm glad. If this is going to be that kind of party, I'm going to stick my dick in the mashed potato. Nailed it! Out here, just a little bit sweet, but I'm tripping out. Yeah, I'm getting off the cross, dude. It gets a lot of trouble. I'm going to go with your friends. Showed up. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Jonah Radio. Uh, Cash Hartzell's here. Hey, everybody. Uh, and Neil Mahoney. Still haven't quit. Still haven't quit. <laughs> Still haven't quit. Our guest Will people be able to hear me mm-hmm. over this? Mm-hmm. They will. Mm-hmm. You're sure? Yeah, yours is, your your line is going over the top of the, okay, great. the, 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 the other line. Great. Um, time to introduce the guest. He's an accomplished director, comic book creator, um, actor, podcast guest, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Uh, VHS podcast collector. Podcast <laughs> Twitter. Please, everybody, welcome the guy whose name is in the title. Rob Schraub. Yay, me, my name. <laughs> so, finally. Finally, you made it. Finally, you let me on the show. Oh, we let you on the show. <laughs> finally, after me you, screaming. You found for- South Pasadena. Yes. Should we talk about that? About I mean, we talked time? about it, I think, like that. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, I for two and a half hours that night. Well, because <laughs> it's like, you know, because we had all that. We had all, like we right. phone calls and all that, and then all that stuff went away. Yeah. Oh right, I forgot we so, lost like half. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there's a chance that over. there's a chance we might lose tonight. I I got a backup tonight. I oh, got a really? battery backup system. I'm into the wall. I'm we glad, should be covered. I'm glad you finally, after all this time, I'm finally figured taking it out. It, taking it seriously. All we right. will be asking this camera guy for his audio at some point. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have Chris. somebody take out the uh, the. The trash, leafler. the trash. Uh, so, Rob, thanks for making it this time. Yes, and, uh, I wanted to make it last time, but I drove forty-five minutes out of my way to a different Mission uh, Street, a different city. Yeah, you drove to a different yeah. city, and I just like a, a lemming you, just followed the GPS and just was like, okay, I guess this is my lot in life. Yeah, and then I stood out in front of. <laughs> what what, what por- is that? The other Mission Street. Uh, it's a neighborhood. I, oh, it's a home. It's a home. It's a oh, house. Right, right, and I, I was walking up the sidewalk looking at this dark house <laughs> thinking, this isn't right. <laughs> this does not look like a podcast. Why would... I know where Jonah lives. Why would he have a podcast... In a bigger in house this, that he lives in. There's, yeah. a, there's a boat in the driveway. Why? Wait, was it a nice neighborhood? It was a it was a fine neighborhood. It was it was Just suburban. Uh, it was suburban, yes. If people and, got boats. And uh, and I was like the whole time going, what the fuck? Can't you just do a podcast like out of your living room? What? I was like pissed. I was cursing yeah. your name. Yeah. And, and then, you're, you're on Harmontown, which is not done in a living room. That's 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 done in no, a no. That's on a stage. Yeah. Does, what the fuck is this? Oh man, they're in their laundry upstairs. What are you doing? <laughs> Do you think, you think I'm, a, you think I'm a, a, a good person? Why are you just, no. why are you just dropping no. this now? Oh, you were talking about him. <laughs> it's a great song. Yeah, it is a great song. Well, I, yeah, what the fuck? 
want to give it some context or something? It's not a sound drop, but Harmontown. Ooh. Neil's so excited. Neil got so excited that he found this, or he asked Spencer for a video, which I'm pretty sure is like we're having Rob on. How many, how many views? Seriously. Oh, let me look at it. How many views? It's pretty popular. Uh, 1,200. 1,200 views. That's the official Harmontown That's account. the official yeah. Harmontown. What is that? That's a song. Yeah. I, I, well, no, 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 no. I'm asking Neil. Okay, Neil. So Neil, I want to hear Neil's version of <laughs> what, what the facts yeah. are. I think that was the director of the Harmontown documentary that was a guest. I think. No. No. That I, was the director of. Uh, oh, the the, the history, the, the making yeah, history, the, the history show. Show. You know what I'm talking so about. Dan was like <laughs> attempting to apologize. Just for tell me, and <laughs> you're on the show. Oh, it, okay. Okay, no, 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 no. It's a, it's, we don't it's, edit this show, guys. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Anyway, Dave was <laughs> attempting to like sort of sideline a sort of maybe apology for being mean to this guy. Yeah. No, no, he go. He says uh, he goes to the guy, and he's sitting where the guy's next. To, I forgot his name. I'm a terrible person. Uh, and he goes, "Am I a mean person?" And I answer for him, "Yes." Yes. Yes, yeah. you're, you're awful. You're a yeah. terrible person. And then he says, I might have been mean to you in the past. And then Rob starts singing this I great start song. Singing, yes, get, get used, used to it. it. Get yeah. used to it. Yeah, the closer the, you get, it gets worse. The closer worse. you get to him as a friend, the more he'll push you away <laughs> and be mean to you. Yes. I it's have no experience. Yeah, play, this, is, play this, this is what I hear. No, 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 no. You can, like you can, no, you need, you just <laughs> dropped you it on people. No, 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 this, no, is, no. this is what I do. I withhold and then, yeah. <laughs> and Neil was so proud. He's like, he was like, I was like, oh, this is cool. This is, this will be fun to play. And Neil's like, see, I contribute. And I think he was so excited by that fact that he just jumped the gun where he heard, he heard the thing that it was related to and just pressed play. Yeah. Talk to any of my ex-girlfriends. I'm trying to see the correlation. Call him up. Lot of sound. Let's tweet at him. Let's tweet at him and say, let's tell. Don't start naming it. Jonah. Yes. How did we meet? I'm trying to. I'm going back. Back. When was the first time we met? I was it through. Was it through 101? Was Um, it through? I met you in passing. We didn't really meet me. I knew who you were. Oh yeah. Um, But we didn't meet me until I started uh, dating Deanna. Yes. Because. But when did when did when did you you came into Peru? I knew. Of you too, and I know we talked before that. I don't know. You and Dan were always pretty. Uh, I tried to talk to you guys because we had a lot of mutual friends, right? In the comedy scene, but I think you thought I was just some like young Channel One One kid trying to get up on your jock for votes. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. yeah, one vote. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean they could sway. It's like you get. It, they, there was a time you put either of those guys in your Channel One One show. It's gonna get. It's, Not true it's gonna make it to prime time. I yeah. don't think I was hard to talk to approach. I'm not an unapproachable person. You well, were like no, an no. early day Wade Randolph. <laughs> if you were in the show, it was going five or six episodes. At least. That's true. That's true. Yeah, but then I think we but didn't really. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of consummate our love until. Yeah. I like really it was at I think um, it was at Suki and Suki's birthday party at the. Um, uh, the Bob Baker Marionette. That theater. was. That's that like was when you. So, that was like a like. 
three months ago. That's when you like. <laughs> give me a break. That's give like the first time I felt like, oh, Rob's just like talking to me and having a chat with me. And then I immediately jumped into an Uber and got the fuck out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, I have a problem. See, see, people will go, oh, you know, when they first meet me, they go like, oh, he's so aloof. He's so. He's so bleh. he's so full of himself or whatever, which is not true. I mean, like when you talk to me and you first meet me, if I'm quiet the whole time, my brain is going, "Don't eat me." Don't eat me. <laughs> like, like, I, I'm just like I have a problem with crowds. I have a problem with. Unfortunately, I have a problem with like fans. Mm-hmm. You know, um, not that I you know have. A lot of, fan, but I have a lot of lovely fans that want to talk. Whether it's at a convention or harmony. Did you ever? But did, you've been a fan of things. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I was a fan of Mystery Science Theater. So, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, like that was like, uh, like a huge influence on me and my comic book and. Scud the disposable Scud assassin, the disposable which assassin. the whole shebang is uh, is out now. Out now, is in out soft now. cover. Yeah, from Image. Yeah. We'll get to that later. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll we'll put a pin in that. But yeah, I mean, like Mystery Science Theater was huge, and so and Joel was one of the first people, not just one of the first famous people, but one of the first people that I met when I came out here. How did that happen? Uh, well, to go way back. Like when Mystery Science Theater was in its infancy, probably 92, when mm-hmm. it was still on the Comedy Channel before it became Comedy Central, um, they would have something at the in the end credits. I don't know if they have it in like the DVDs or anything, but the end credits would say, hey, send us your jokes. Mm-hmm. If you think you're funny, whatever. I don't remember. I should look back what it actually said. And uh, a guy I knew in comedy sports which was the local improv franchise yeah. where, where where I, is this again milwaukee milwaukee, milwaukee wisconsin 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 i call it so wisconsin. it was a tuesday yes <laughs> <laughs> and this is where i met like some of my best friends that i've yeah. met i met Harmon there i met like chris tallman there and uh, Kurt Scholler, and then eventually I met Jeff Davis and Steve Agee, and all these people through comedy sports. Yeah, it was, uh, Derek Mears also. Derek uh, Mears, yes, comedy of, course, guy. of course, of course. Comedy sports, Riverside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Bakersfield. Bakersfield, yeah, that's Bakersfield right. comedy sports. Uh, su- those super ego guys are all comedy sports. Oh guys, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Right. those guys. But that's a, yeah, Jeff Davis. Friend. Yeah, you know. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot of there's a lot of connection in there. But anyway, like Craig Tollison, who I was taking workshops with. Um, thought I was funny, thought Harmon was funny, and said, hey, I'm doing this thing where we're going to watch Santa Claus versus the Martians, and we're going to riff jokes, we'll write them down, and we'll send them out. Anyway, Dan blew it off, (laughs) and I, I went... And I go, and I was like, and that was my introduction to Mystery Science Theater. And I was like, this is the best. This is totally made for me. It's yeah. Making fun of bad movies, robots mm-hmm. made out of found <laughs> objects. Yeah. yeah. And and no one's jo- looking at me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and and it was just like so perfect for me. So, uh, you know, I wrote a bunch of jokes. They sent them in, and they liked them, and 
That was my first writing credit ever. And they, got, and they wow. misspelled your name, right? They misspelled my name. It's Rob Shrad. Shrad is pretty cool. Yeah. Didn't you want... So you you directed this n- new season yes. of uh, MST that's coming out on Netflix yes. this year. Starring you. Starring me. Did you know that? I I try to forget it. Okay. Um, you won't let us forget it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all I got, Ken. Actually, it was, it was so fun. It was a really good time. Uh, but you, and you were that? great. It was a late drum hit. That's a tempest. Someone said drum. And so. (laughs) Okay. So. Uh, And the drum hit is to help with the timing. Yeah. It was to. Okay. All right. Okay. (laughs) Let's let's put the train back on the tracks here. Uh, It doesn't happen easily. You were great. Thank you. You were were really great as well. Did you. It was. I. Because I was the new guy, because Rob Cohen directed last season and I was new, even though I knew everybody there. Yeah. With the exception of Felicia. Uh. I just, it was very welcoming. And uh, it was, uh, you know, even though it was hard work, it was, it was fun hard work. It was real crazy. I mean, it was, yeah. every, a lot of my friends knew how crazy it was last season. They're like, oh, well, was it easier this season? And I said, no, it was just as crazy. No. But everyone did it with a bit more confidence. <laughs> but also, like, having you there, having someone voice their opinion on things and takes and whatnot and performances was, you know, you were great. Plus, you have great director's voice. Uh, which means it kind of ha- cuts through. It cuts through the noise. <laughs> My voice kind of carries. That's what Joel says. You have this voice. It's just kind of like like a laser beam, just like shoots through the. Bull. Is this Joel or uh, Hank Hill? Hank, <laughs> that boy ain't right. <laughs> yeah, it, Joel's got a little. He's got a little drawl. He's just got yeah. It's a little. Uh, Even though he's from. Green Bay. Yeah. <laughs> you Look, know that Green Bay drawl? That, big, that Southern <laughs> Green Bay? Uh, speaking of Wisconsin, okay, um, okay. we're going to take a break for a song. Uh, this guy, Dave Paulson, um, uh, and this has nothing to do with Wisconsin, but it's, uh, you know, the Midwest. Uh, this guy, Dave Paulson. Speaking made, of Wisconsin, here's something that has nothing to do with it. To me, it's all the same. It's all yeah. just fucking it's cheese another, and white people. Yeah, they're all Cheesy white people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there, there's a guy named Dave Paulson who uh, made an album called Sandusky, Ohio. It's an entire uh, kind of ELO-inspired album uh, based off of the movie Tommy Boy. Okay. And uh, I okay. thought it was going to be real bad, and it's actually really fucking How good. How did you get it? Did they send it, was, it to this you? This was a submitted song. A submitted song. Submitted kind of album. like... He's uh, doing the Who's Tommy, but... Who's Tommy, Tommy Boy. Boy. Am I holding the mic too close? Probably. No, Neil's just holding it too low. Yeah. Okay, well, you guys are all being all like lackadaisical. Yeah. Lazy fair. That's, that's kind of how it goes here. Okay, all right. Well, all right, like so this is, uh, this is the up here? Um, so, song Sandusky off of, uh, from Sandusky, Ohio. Anyway, here's the song. School 
hezký. Maximum Fun's new sci-fi comedy podcast, Bubble, is coming to San Diego Comic-Con on July 21st. At 1 p.m., Bubblecast members Travis McElroy, Cristela Alonzo, Eliza Skinner, Allison Becker, Mike Mitchell, Jordan Morris, and Danielle Radford will be signing autographs. Tickets are required, but free. Then at 5 p.m., the cast will participate in a panel moderated by Jesse Thorne, held at the San Diego Central Library. For more information, visit MaximumFun.org SDCC. Hi, this is Jay Keith Van Stratton, host of Go Fact Yourself here on the Maximum Fun Network. On Go Fact Yourself, we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. Oh, by the way, how much do you know about chicken husbandry? You gotta give them that grain. <laughs> All right. You gotta give them that grain. And then smart again. What future Hall of Fame pitcher for the Cleveland Indians became the first active player to enlist? Bob Feller. When- oh, okay. <laughs> We've got me co-host Helen Hong, plus celebrity guests and actual surprise experts. In the coming weeks, you can hear guests like Maria Bamford, Tom Bergeron, Paul F. Tompkins, Janet Varney, and Grant Imahara. And if you're in the New York area, come check us out live. We're doing two shows there on July 21st and July 22nd. Go to gofactorpod.com for tickets and more. We'll see you in New York or on the first and third Friday of every month here on the Maximum Fun Network.
that song you just heard was the new single from our friend Mike Kroll on Merge Records. The song was called An okay. Ambulance. R. Uh, oh. The B-side oh. of it is uh, Never Know. That is available mm. now uh, for pre-order, but you can listen to that on his band camp, Mike Kroll, with one L. Bandcamp.com. So does Mike Crow like does he hang out with like a Cyclops that knows when he's gonna die and and has like this like multi blade like throwing device with That's Mike Krull. Krull. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. that's okay. a you you thanks for they- Thank you. Good pickup on that because I was like trying to remember what he was talking about, and yeah, Mike Kroll. Mike Phantasm. Don't, don't know that that the creature in Kroll, his first name was Mike. His first name was Mike. First name is Mike. Not a lot of people know I, that. First I, name is Mike. I've seen Kroll once when I was at like a, a preteen. And then I only know it as a reference from like Motley Crue documentaries. Is that's what they <laughs> called cocaine? How many Motley Crue documentaries have you seen? Well, there's like the behind the music's, and then there's yeah. like the MTV ones, and then there was. Did you read the book? I read that book. Yeah. yeah. What was it called? Dirty. Oh. Something like that. That's four. That's what? That's four documents. Of yeah. Yeah. The okay. Scenes. So yeah, you're right. You're I don't right. even like that band. Yeah. I just, I'm what fasc- the hell? <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated by like. Nikki Six coming They're, back to life. Nikki Six coming back to life. Uh-huh. Uh, 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 Mick Mars being like a good. I think he's like 15 years older than everyone else in the oh, band. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> he was just like like bass player for hire or whatever, and then was just like, I guess I gotta dye my hair. Oh wow! <laughs> and was like was plagued with like back problems and all this stuff. <laughs> like he was just like not. Mm, how am I gonna? He keep was literally sucking. <laughs> Fuck it. Suck it. Piss on me. Take a shit on me. I don't give a a fuck. I can't keep up with these youngins. These younglings. (laughs) These monthly younglings. Um, He was literally too old for that shit. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Feelgood. That was the album that made Metallica go get uh, Bob Rock uh, to be the producer for the Black Album. Really? Which made them, uh, you know. Metallica. Made them the biggest band in the world. Yeah. Did When did Garage Days come out? That was Garage Days was, uh, I believe. I mean, it was kind of like a, it was like a, kind of a bootleg collection. Yeah, and it came out a few times, but it came out like after covers. Well, stop fighting. (laughs) Jesus, I'm gonna Um, tie this back into you, Rob. But go ahead. I think it was like after uh, Ride the Lightning, or um, no, I think it was after Load. No, 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 no. There was no because you're thinking there's Garage Days and then there's Garage Days Revisited and then there's Garage Days Re Revisited. Yeah. So they kept on putting it out with extra stuff. I think this was the first one where they did the Thin Lizzy cover. Yeah, the Thin Lizzy and then they do the Misfits cover. Whiskey Majaro. Yeah. So my internships out here. No, the Whiskey the the Thin Lizzy cover wasn't until like Re Revisited, I think. Really? Because that's the load era, I I believe, when they started getting into more of that that stuff. Because when I was an intern. At a music video house out here, uh, Jonas Ockerland had just done the Whiskey in the Jar video, which was just this weird, like, panty raid video. <laughs> it mm. was like like frat houses and people running around uh, half-dressed. Yeah. Uh, but my job there was to, like, log tapes and do stuff for free. And some of the stuff that I logged was Rob's when he was doing uh, music videos for... Um, Death Cab for Cutie. Death Cab. Yeah. Oh my gosh! That's like one of my wow. favorite music videos. My, it's one of the favorite things I've ever done. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it was, it was I, for I the song um, "Crooked Teeth." Crooked Teeth, which is a great song on its own. It's an amazing song. Like, and I would make little tapes for myself because I was like, "All right, this one's cool. I'm gonna keep that. Yeah, I'm gonna keep that." And uh, you had mixed ta- mixed VHS tapes, music videos. I did. Wow, yeah. that's cool. And then very uh, cool. 
And then when I met like Jeff Crocker, yes, uh, and he was like, "Yeah, I worked on that." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I was like, that was Shit. that was crazy because here's the thing: like, that was a part of plans, mm-hmm. and uh, I found out about that. Uh, Heidi Herzon, who uh, was a co-owner of Oil Factory, which is a company that produced yeah. uh, the that's Sarah Silverman program. Where I was working. Yeah. Oh, you were working at Oil yeah. Factory. Okay, so you know Heidi and all them. Uh, I barely remember them because they did not hire me after I graduated. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, all right. Well, anyway, like they, during the pilot of the Sarah Silverman program, they... Uh, somebody came to me or, or Heidi came to me and goes hey do you want to direct a music video for they're going to give you like they're going to give you like I think it was like two thousand three thousand dollars or something like that they're for the giving budget. what's that for the, your payment or the budget the budget yeah what they did is they had plan, plans was the album and they went out to all like these I don't know directors that they said hey we want to make a, a bunch of music videos where we're not in where you just, we'll give you $3,000, you do whatever you want. And uh, I was like, okay, great, I'll do it. For some reason, uh, because of the schedule, I had to do it in two weeks. Oh my okay. God. It was, you made all those It was crazy. Models in two weeks. I don't weeks. think, I don't, I think, I think I'm not counting the making of okay. the main puppets. Okay. But like the props and stuff like that, I had like an arsenal of Channel 101 people hot gluing, drawing, putting it together. And I had like Savan Najarian and Morgan Locke. Savan, who Jeff- also works on Mr. Science Theater now. Yeah. Oh, nice. And, mm-hmm. uh, and Jeff Crocker. Mm-hmm. Everybody was like working around the clock. We didn't sleep for three days building this thing and putting it together. Rhett Bear, who shot. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, Sarah Silverman program and many other things that and I've meltdown with. and meltdown oh, yeah. yeah right 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 and uh, and he shot it and he because he was a fan of Death Cab for Cutie and me oh. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I had like this drawless animation style which was all very you know very much like Mystery Science yeah. Theater uh, found object puppets you know rods and green screen and rubber bands and things and mm-hmm. uh and I just had like this style that I had perfected with Channel 101, and I did a bunch of it on the Sarah Silverman program. Actually, the apex of that is when I did like the the uh, Breve episode, the yeah. ro- oh the man, ba- I, the baby robot episode. Yeah. I, I want to I wanted to bring that up. That was in my notes, just because I I cut Brian Posehn's reel oh, like yeah. eight <laughs> years ago, and that the one note was like, yeah, give me give me this other stuff, but. Take everything from that brief episode. Yeah. He's like, I've never done a better job. <laughs> he was uh, the thing about it. Is it's those, such an amazing. It, that, you did that, such a great that, job. That episode. Well, uh, let me put a pin in that, and I'll yeah. come back. We'll put just so many pins. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, like, like they came to me. Like they said, uh, I don't know who I was dealing with. I wasn't dealing with Death Cab for Cutie. I was dealing with their manager, and they said, "Here's the album. Pick a song that you would like to do," and I. And, uh, you know, I listened to him and Crooked Teeth, I was like, this song is great. Mm-hmm. I go, I want to do that one. And they said, well, we already have a music video we did for that, which really? they spent like the real money. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, can I do it anyway? <laughs> and they, they were like, yeah, good, sure. Go ahead. And, and they, they were kind of like waffling on it. So I did a, a over the, a, an animatic, which was way 
like an, 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 an most animatic that she, that I've seen don't go this far. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I, I w- my my motto is when in doubt overcompensate. Yeah, and so I did that. I went to a concert that they were playing at locally, and then went backstage with my laptop and said, "Okay, here's the animatic." And I showed it to them, and they loved it. And they go, "Thanks so much for doing this, and really appreciate it. This is going to be great on the, on the on the DVD." And I'm like, "No, no, no! This is the animatic. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm making this." And they were like, "Okay, you know." So like, I went that extra mile, so I wouldn't get that oh, waffling. Yeah, and, yeah. and that that's kind of been. Like when people say like, "How do you? What do? What do you? What's your advice to dealing with?" With like getting notes or dealing with, uh, you know, it, it's all about trust, you know, yeah, like yeah. your people that are above you, they're like, I don't know, you know, on paper, you seem like you could do the job, but are you really going to come through or are you going to let me down and show them? You just show, you just yeah. do, you, uh, when in doubt, overcompensate. And, you know, like on the first episode of Community that I ever did, like I showed up with storyboards, like an animatic, but like everything. I had like a list of, this is how we're going to do things. And everybody was like, oh, okay. Mm. You're not yeah. just here because you're the creator's buddy. Yeah. yeah, You're here because you know what you're doing. So uh, everybody's looking for an excuse to go, to roll their eyes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Everybody's just waiting for it. Just like, oh boy, this this guy. But if you come in there and you go, look, I worked harder than you did (laughs) this weekend for this show that people respond to that. So that's what I did with death cap for cutie. And, um, and that animatic is online. I think it's, I don't know if it's on my side or somebody else put it on, but if you look up death cap for cutie, the animatic that's online, my video has been taken off. Oh, really? Wow. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's hard to find. It's hard to find, and I think it's because of there's the other Official video, video. The, oh, the real okay. video, which cost tons and tons and tons of money, and, and is okay. It's kind of all right. It's, I'll, it's I'll not check my, Daily Motion. I'll see if I can get that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and then but uh, but I made mine for you know three hundred bucks if you just count like. Like pizza and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and but it was probably a hundred thousand uh, dollars with the help with the yeah. help yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and and what I if did everyone with, had been paid yeah, yeah after after the pizza bills were paid <laughs> and the hot glue was paid uh, I just divided up all the money and gave it to people so people were getting like five bucks yeah. the red bear got like two hundred dollars yeah <laughs> and and it's almost like an <laughs> I was like when I gave it to him he was kind of like ah thanks yeah <laughs> and, you know or at least that's how I felt and I was like oh man maybe I should have just said I owe you a favor or whatever yeah, yeah. because it's yeah. just, it just puts a price or, or on sometimes it. you just say or right, I'll throw a party like yeah. for you guys, yeah. like yeah. you know, we'll when, go out and get dinner. But that was like my first. I mean, before then, before like the Sarah Silverman program, I was just a guy shooting stuff in my backyard. Mm-hmm. Like I never paid. I paid for. I never. All the help that I got was like friends, like Todd Bishop. You know, yeah. Like were helping me out in Savant. Were just helping me out out of the goodness. That was the the best thing about the one on one community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was yeah. like at any point. I could call like that's what Rhett was always like amazed by. It's like you just called over like thirteen people to come here and work 
three days in a row without sleep for free and everybody was like yeah uh-huh yeah okay. he goes, yeah how is yeah. that in los angeles how is that possible uh, that 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 was one of my favorite things about uh, doing one-on-one i haven't done done much recently but like just just kind of going out and doing it one, one of yeah. the best times i've ever had on sets was uh like the Fatal Farm RoboCop thing. Oh my gosh! Oh, oh, it yeah. was so it good. was like and and it's it's so great. Available because now on Pornhub. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and my, my wife is in that. She oh plays, yeah, she's Kate she's plays the lead. The the, the, the rapey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it it I just remember sitting there all night going like nobody's getting paid for this. Everybody's having a good time. And we're all falling over laughing at how absurd this is. Yeah. yeah. Just just thinking about it. And everybody's yeah. doing it for the the end product. Everybody that's can a, see that's it. That's the thing. Whenever like people have come to Dan and I hoping to monetize Channel 101, they only see like the contest. Yeah. And they only go and they all go, all these people are they want they want to win so much that they're gonna work for free. How can we take advantage of that? Yeah. All this free work yeah. and passion. They say passion, but really they're getting... The, the, but what they don't understand is that the biggest, the most valuable thing about Channel 101 is the community. Yeah. 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 And and like if you would just like go, okay, these are some really talented people that deserve a break. If you would just pay them for their time... <laughs> yeah. I mean, like people, people. The thing about 101 is like you would do a show, and then eventually you would hit a wall because you're. I gotta pay rent. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm broke mm-hmm. because I'm investing everything into the show, and I'm heartbroken that I have to stop. Yeah. But eventually, I have to do it. But if if somebody were to come in and go, no, I'm gonna give Car Jumper money to keep going. Yeah. I'm gonna give Twiggers Holiday enough money to keep going. I'm gonna give, you know, like. Uh, anything to get yeah. you going, you would get like that passion, but you would just get it longer, yeah, yeah, and and maybe quicker. I don't know. Well, I, I will say that the one that there's one t- one model I've seen of that that doesn't does I don't think works is the Joseph Gordon Levitt one, the uh, where he sort of went out and tried to oh uh, red or what was it called what was it? hit record hit record hit record where he was trying to go out and sort of find people on the internet bring them together and they would work on something and they would work, everybody would work really hard on it at the end they'd he'd be like we're sharing the profits and they'd go out and it'd be like people getting 150 bucks for all this yeah. stuff yeah. and at the end of the day I would feel more ripped off by participating oh, that than yeah. any one on one short a, I did it puts a, all of a sudden it puts a value on what you've done yes yeah. you're worth a hundred bucks your weekend that you gave to me is a hundred dollars yeah. and yeah. when you start visualizing your worth it it make it it's not fun yeah. anymore no yeah. and i'd much rather at the end of giving up my weekend yeah. be able to go sit down with the six people i made a one-on-one show with yeah. and go and it gets laughs and everybody's like all right everybody sort of shares on those laughs yeah. getting paid in fun is the is the best thing it's, it's yes. the best it's and, the best and and that was like toward the end toward the end of my 101 days were some of the best days of my life yeah. i was writing directing starring editing doing the visual effects Doing the product, it was a Twigger's holiday was a hundred percent me. Mm-hmm. It was a hundred percent me, and it's I still love it. I still think yeah. it's great, and it, and I still wish I wouldn't have ended it. But I, I, I was a phase that I was going through, and I was hoping that 
you know, and then Sarah Silverman was right around the corner yeah. and eventually got me the job that in Jaws four, but uh, <laughs> mostly Jaws four. <laughs> <laughs> Can you pull that up? You don't. No, no, you probably can't. Well, Rob, like. But anyway, but but anyway, but uh, I do want to yeah. know. Like, it's like you know, you have such a, you, you're such a self starter with all this stuff, and that's oh, kind of God. I wish that was the same. Kinda, I mean, like the way that you just go and make stuff, the way all the stuff you were just talking about, like if just for fun, is that is that how Scud started? Oh yeah, Scud the Disposable Assassin, my comic book that I did on that, Image. Uh, well, I, I, it originally it was like my publishing company that I, me and Peter Alberts joined forces. Fireman, and, right? What? Fire, fireman Press. Fireman Press. Uh, I just had an image in my head of like a fireman logo, and I was like, <laughs> let's call it Fireman Press. Whatever. That's the the biggest reason why I did that. But just public self published it off of my kitchen table. Uh, the thing was, it was like 1992. I was working in comedy sports. I met Harmon. We were doing the Dead Ale Wives uh, every week, and we were we had like a huge following. Mm-hmm. Um, we did in like, Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, yeah, in Milwaukee. But we did like on Doctor Demento. They played one of our sketches that we did on the, the oh, radio wow. show, oh, the cool. the Dungeons and Dragons. Dead L, if you type in Dungeons and Dragons, Dead Ale Wives, like that, that is, people still come up to me and go, oh my God, I didn't know that was you. Uh, I'm the, where's the Mountain Dew guy? Uh, if, if, if anybody cares to look that up. But anyway, we were doing that. We'll link to it in our show notes. And it was Milwaukee. It was 1992. I was living with like four other people. My rent was $150 a month. Beautiful. Oh. Um, I was doing improv for a living where I would get like 20 bucks a show. Mm -hmm. I would do two shows on the weekend. Then I would maybe do what we call a remote where we would go to colleges and stuff. And then that's where you'd get like 200 bucks maybe or something like that. And if you were smart about it, you could live off of that. Yeah. yeah. You could, and, and not, not, you can buy VCRs and shit like that, but you could eat and pay rent. <laughs> Keep and your get head drunk. Yeah. 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 And I had just graduated from the Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design with a, a, a degree in illustration. And I found myself in the happening Milwaukee comedy scene. <laughs> Huge. Dabbling in stand-up, terrible at stand-up. That's where I met Harmon. Like he was doing, he was doing uh, uh, Ed McMahon sodomizing uh, Johnny Carson, uh, and I was doing Batman taking a shit jokes. <laughs> Quality stuff, really, really stays. It's, it's timeless. Time. Evergreen is <laughs> yeah, what yeah. we call it in the biz. I'd well, you we all met under similar circumstances. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and, and and so my 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 joke was about a salt shaker doing LSD. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, this is my impression of a salt shaker on acid. You just stand there for a bit, and then you go. What would you say? Uh, I'm on acid. No, you would just go. I gotta fucking kill you. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's funny. Yeah. Oh no, this is this is the bit. You go. This is my impression of a salt shaker, and you just stand there. You go. I'll fucking kill you. Oh, yeah. And then you go. Oh, I should have said the salt shaker was on acid. <laughs> That was a, a that was like of, that lot, was a lot big, of leaps. but that was always a bit that was a big thing in the early two thousands in the comics. It's like, uh, and by this I mean that. Yes, I yeah. should have said this. It's like putting you'd throw setups after the. Did you, you know. guys ever experience this when any uh, back in that that time frame, 
if somebody in any kind of like a situation like this, if somebody said anything close to being a double entendre uh, by on purpose or or by accident, there would be somebody that would go, "Hello." Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, so, so this was like all over the place. I so think that's how like, we all Hello. met each other. Was yeah, we yeah. all that's did it at the same time. That's a very 1992, three <laughs> kind of like hello. Yeah. Where did that start? I don't know because, and then it morphed into that's hello. what she said, which that's was the ironic, like almost the the ironic yeah, reference the instantly, to because it was, I guess, the office or whatever. But even before like, that, I mean, no, like, I, 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 the I, office made it popular as like a bad joke to yes, make. Yeah. yeah. And everyone made it as a. But this was a, that was that was like a you know yeah. decade and a half. Yeah, that was a yeah. long. T- like, but anyway, but anyway, okay. So 1992, I was living this lifestyle with these these other guys like Peter Albert. Would you say that your lifestyle was your death style? My what? It's a Metallica. It's Metallica. Sure. Never yeah. Mind. It it yeah, and I was like smoking pot all day long. Harmon and I would. Go to video. Where is this promised land? Is it Minneapolis? <laughs> it's it's no, the Midwest, no, man. This Milwaukee. is you can live a life as an artist and like you know. It was the nineties. It was Milwaukee. very coffee shop. Yeah. yeah. Improv theater kind of stuff. It was. It Everyone was, embraced the Gen yeah. X logo. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Gen X and stuff. We were making so many references to Ewoks <laughs> and just like we are cutting edge. Yeah. The Ewoks sucked. <laughs> <laughs> we we dare to say whatever. <laughs> but anyway, like I was, I was, I kind of was going through a period where I was, I remember like sitting on Peter's couch, stoned, watching nothing in particular on TV. And I, and, and it was like three in the afternoon and I could feel the, the air on my face. It was that, it was a summer and going, I, I haven't drawn anything in like over a year hmm. oh wow and that was a big deal for me that was my identity growing up mm-hmm. being an artist drawing i was known as the art guy uh and then going to school i was known as the comic book guy because i would draw comic books and i was like what am i doing with my life i was really kind of how old are you at this point like 22 uh, 22 yeah. 22 and i felt like oh shit this is and i was seeing like guys 10 years older than me doing the same thing. Like mm-hmm. they were in their thirties and I was like, that's my future. If I keep D- doing, just keep this. doing improv and hanging out because yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing pushing you to go forward. Mm-hmm. Right. And no one's telling you to go forward. And do you think that's the Midwest a bit? A like- little bit. I don't want to put down. I don't want to say that the people of the Midwest don't have aspirations or, or want better lives, but there's a reason why their ancestors stopped, stopped <laughs> in a place that is freezing, freezing yeah. most of the time, like yeah. deathly go outside cold most of the time. Yeah. Instead of going, what if we kept going west? Maybe it gets warmer. You know, like that's. Yeah. I mean, there's something I think. You know, I, and also it was a different time period. Like my. My 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 folks and uh, that the generation before that was was like, yeah, life is supposed to suck. Yeah, yeah. You, you you get a job you hate, you work, and watch TV. You get yeah. a house, you have kids, you retire, you travel the world. The greatest thrill in di- life is getting by. Yeah, 
So the idea of, of hopping from job to job to job is, which is what I, what we all do (laughs) like professionally was unheard of and, and you're considered a loser. So, uh, so I was like, I was just like having, this is a long uh, way to get to there and I'll speed it up, but no, but anyway, but, but anyway, like, uh, I was like, I really got to get my shit together. So I remember like on on the sidelines of like in comedy sports, like there's two teams of comedy. One team would go on stage and do a bit and then you would go on stage and do a bit and the audience would vote who was funnier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hilarious. So while I'm off stage, I remember like doodling and drawing and I had like this real quick side sidebar do you think comedy sports and your experience in it it was somewhat of an inspiration for channel 101 maybe maybe just the idea of like people putting stuff up and then having an audience vote uh, and see what they like you know maybe I mean I I think I mean we could get I mean really the reason that I uh, I wanted to do 101 is because I wanted to force myself to make shorts, yeah. yeah, but just the structure of it, I think, though. Maybe, maybe. I mean, just the, not, not like, not like the, the the soulful approach to making it, but like. I the, think maybe it maybe there might have been a point where we came up with it, and then like you know, like a month later, we go, "Is this like comedy sports? I don't know. Somebody will probably say that we ripped it off. Who cares? Whatever." I mean, the yeah. idea of like competitive arts, though, is like. It's like Funny it's, or Die. It's or anti- yeah, 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 yeah. Like Funny or Die is, or comedy well, anyway, competitions, that's like anything vote, like that. But like, yeah, I just, no real I, I just thought it was like a fun little connection. The thing, uh, no, was, no, no, it, I think it, it is. The thing yeah, was, yeah. it was like it was a way. The the competition level was it was a way to motivate me to get off yeah. my ass and make something because yeah. I wanted to make like these puppet shorts yeah. called the Ringwall and Moley Show, and uh, I did one for. The living room, which was Harmon, Jeff Davis, and their uh, rotating girlfriends or whatever, and 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 I made it, you know, and they loved it, and I showed it to a friend of mine, Sandra, and she was like, "Going, you got to make more of these," and I said, "I, yeah, you're right, I should. It wasn't that hard. It cost nothing. Yeah, it was way easier than doing that twenty thousand dollar." Uh, shot on film robot bastard that I did mm. um, and I never did it took me a year to do a second one and then it took me a year after that to do a third one but the third one was like with channel 101 yeah and it forced me to do one a month yeah right and and that's what got me off my ass was yeah. that the competition was like I have to I have to I have to bring my game I have to bring my game I got yeah. out to not only everybody there but me last yeah. month and yeah, right. it was that was the thing is when you put your pride on the line you can get stuff done yeah, yeah. it's done when that, it's due. that's and that was my trick to get myself to direct yeah and i wish i could find a way to do that <laughs> in other things but the comic book was the same way you know because it's a monthly thing you have no choice you have to get it done you know it, you've you promised your fan base there will be another issue. You yeah. better get it done. Yeah. The story will continue. Yeah. So anyway, like here's here's the crazy story of how like my life works. Things just kind of happen. And I think I think, you know, the thing about it is, you know, like I think Harold Ramis compared improv to life. Living mm-hmm. a good life is like don't say no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say yes and 
and you know like you just and just be open to new things and so i think that's i brought a, a lot of that with me with 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 your decision making with my decision making so forward. one time we were doing uh we were doing a show and after the show the players are supposed to like thank the audience for coming and shake hands or whatever and like while i while i was like on the other side of the room peter like was talking to this guy marlo newman and he was like wow you guys are so funny uh and they chatted up and 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 peter was like well what do you do for a living and the guy goes oh i i print comic books wow and he goes you gotta meet rob rob draws comic books and he met me and he was like oh yeah you 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 make comic books i go yeah i've never i've never you know i've never got anything published or anything you you think of self-publishing i like um i'd be open to it he goes well you know come by uh, the office and show me your book and I'll show you how to do it. So oh, this cool. guy kind of just had a print shop? He had like a... Fa- it wasn't a... It was like a printer. You know, they would print yeah. them in Canada. Mm-hmm. But he, he... Was it like pre-press? Digital pre-press stuff? It was... It was before digital. Oh, yeah. It so was, he was this bound was, and, and yeah, stapled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it he was, would do like comics and zines and stuff like that? But he would do... What they specialized in was specialty covers. This was the early 90s when they did holograms and foil uh, and yeah. things oh, like oh. that. So he did a lot of image stuff. Yeah. And he did Spider-Man. And he did wow. like all of their, their those those books. So he was... So he's like... Do you got a? Uh, yeah, I'd love to see your comic book. You got a comic book? I go, oh yeah, I got a comic book. Yeah. In my head, I don't have a comic book. Right. <laughs> and he says, well, you know, uh, come in sometime. Uh, I'm gonna be out of the. I'm gonna be out of the country for a couple of weeks, but at the end of the month, come in and show me your. Perfect. Book. So yeah. I go. A month yeah. time. I have one month a to clock. draw yeah. up this idea that I've been percolating and sketching with on the sidelines. Which just like Channel 101. Just yeah. like you just have this it really one is. month. It yeah. really is like that. So I, in that time, I was drawing a comic book. And I, the, I've drawn comic books before as a kid in high school. Never finished any of them. Yeah. And I always got caught up with this I always got stuck with the setup. I had like, mm-hmm. these big ideas with huge, like epic setups, and it would take forever and ever ever to get before I could get to the fun. And I would just get burnt out before I could get to the action. What I really wanted to do. I was really inspired by like Eon Flux mm-hmm. and yeah. Ren and Stimpy and uh like Hong Kong action. I loved John Woo, loved uh Jackie Chan. And Tarantino was just coming onto the scene with Reservoir Dogs. So all that stuff was, was, I was finding, I was like, Harmon and I would just rent anything at the video store. And I started like getting bootlegs from, like sent to me from Chicago or whatever, mm-hmm, yeah. of like just like eighth generation uh, uh, John Woo's hard, hard boiled and loving it and loving it and just like going, ah, oh, Tai Chi master. This, this is the kind of action I want to be doing. And so when I created Scud, I was like, I will not finish this if I deal with a ton of st- setups. So yeah. I came up with the idea of let's just have the hero bought out a vending machine. His job is, his, his only function is just 
to destroy his primary target. Mm-hmm. And once he and and around the time there was like all these action movies, you know, like speed. If it goes under fifty five miles mm-hmm. an hour, it'll blow yeah. up. Or if it's a blanket, blah, 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 blah. there was always some kind of gimmick to the action movie. And I go, oh, well, what if there was like a hero that if he killed the bad guy, he would die? Right. And that's the premise of Scud the Disposable Assassin. It, yeah. It's uh, it's funny you say that because I've always been impressed by how succinct that that is. Especially, yeah. it's just uh, it, it's because it all happens basically in the first issue, right? Yeah. Fred Fred is in the hospital. Uh, I'm sorry, Fred. Jeff. Jeff. Jeff is in the hospital by the end of the first. Uh, yeah, it's it's the thing about that first issue is it's. There's like maybe there's two pages of setup and then we're off yeah, and it, running. It's it, it's uh, like trying to write a pilot now where it's like you got to get the whole idea for what's you got to get the whole connection of how it's going to yeah. go for the for every episode in the future. And you have to do that in before you know, the first yeah. ad break. Yeah. Before so I, the just, ad, yeah. I backed into everything. OK, so I set up that there is a monster killing people in the basement of this mannequin factory and the plant manager who's too much of a wimp can't take care of it so he goes to a vending machine or venting machine as I would call him (laughs) and buy a disposable assassin the robot comes out and says who's the job and they the the guy puts a disc in his hand which is like a CD player (laughs) (laughs) this is so 90s it's actually pretty cool and vintage (laughs) Uh, that um, programs, you can program any disposable assassin how much contempt it has for the target. So if you set it at one, you'll get the job done. You set it at ten, it'll completely go apeshit crazy over it. I I don't remember exactly which set, but but all of these things of what's the, what all these questions of what's the motivation? Why does this character need to kill this it's all kind of yeah. like written away yeah. and two seconds that's sentences. why i love robots because you can kind of design like the <laughs> yeah. program them well, yeah you can put anything you want like robocop the- is a huge influence of mine too so yeah. prime directive you can just like go boom 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 the reason the reason he's doing that he's programmed to do it right. well it, and it's sort of the you talk about the like the john woo influence and stuff like that all of that all of john woo's movies are so simple that way yeah it's good guy bad guy yeah and and that's it all you need to know is he's a cop yep. and the other guy's an assassin and yep. they're going to chase each yeah, other just and boom quick 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 and then the rest of it there's very little dialogue and this is where the mystery science theater influence came in because that was i was becoming obsessed this this was happening around the same time that i was writing for uh it might have been just before i did scud but yeah the reference humor yeah that like opened my mind so much because it was like when I'm watching Mystery Science Theater and they're making references to Jamie Gum's van from mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs, and I'm like going, "That joke was only for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That reference nobody else got except me. Everybody yeah. in the room is quiet, but I'm laughing out loud, and that made me feel special." Yeah, it yeah. does. It does do a good job of that. Yeah, and it gives and, it has one for everybody. And I've always gravitated to the th- things that are only for me. You know, like like. You know, like SCTV, Doctor Who, Monty Python, like back in the day when it's on public television playing at midnight Mm -hmm. on a Friday, everybody's, you know, and then I go to uh, on Monday. Did you see this thing on Channel 10 at midnight? 
This is like these fucking robots, but they're made out of like tinfoil. And there's this guy with a big nose and curly hair, and he lives in a box. And people are going, what the fuck are you yeah, talking yeah. about? Go, you got to see it. It's the coolest thing. And then they would watch it and go, you're fucking stupid. Yeah. This yeah. sucks. How dumb are you? And that made me love it even more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There is something special. And then people always say it, it, it's been given to... The hipsters, I think this this style of like it's yeah. like oh you like obscure things. It's like no, I just like the stuff I like. It's obscure to you, you know. Yeah. It doesn't. It's not to me. It's you know. It's uh, that that thing it seems to uh, have taken a change where it's uh, you know now like to the, the mass pop culture is like is what's ex- you know that's it's not as easy anymore. It's not it as it's it's, you know? it's always. I mean, like VHS culture is that's I love. VHS. I mean, mm-hmm. I love the video store. I love the click, the clack, the whir of the machine. I love rattling it. Mm-hmm. I like holding the tapes. DVDs I hated because you could throw a VHS across the, the yeah. room. You throw a DVD. You'll never play it again. <laughs> you'll never play it again. You get one scratch on it. It's done. Yeah. You know, if, if your VCR has a, or your videotape has a little warble in it, you just fast forward over, and the rest of the movie <laughs> yeah, is fine. Yeah. I I love that the the VHS culture like that, and now that's being that's popular too, which I think is is okay. I you don't know, know if, I think it's I think it's the same. It's always been, but I think it's just people are finding each other now. Yeah, you yeah, know? that's uh, true. That's I follow true. a ton of those VHS people yeah. on Instagram, and yeah, I love seeing too. them comment on each other's stuff. And yeah. I love I miss tapes from the dark side. I really miss that dude. I love that dude. Oh, I never, like, I never. He was great. Like he would. What like, happened? He, I don't know. There was kind of this spooky thing where he would just do these rants about the ethics of tape trading or advertising <laughs> oh, tapes. Man. He would be in his car and he, he like, uh, he would always have some metal shirt on. He had a beard, like wore a beanie. He had a ponytail. And he's like, uh, he's just like, he's like, if you're gonna fucking tell me that you got motherfucking like, you know, like fucking clamshells and fucking like original run of like you know like this TV series and I get to your fucking savers and all you got are fucking Jerry Maguire's fuck you you should like he, and like he'll just somebody's like hey it's all you noobs trading tapes you motherfuckers gotta treat each other with respect like um, oh man he's like he's like when a guy says he's gonna send out your shit the next day you send your shit out the next day too like oh, he's like man. really aggressively like that and he was like always fucking like just like angry and like I remember one time he was going through his shirts and they were all like either Sam Hain or um, Danzig <laughs> shirts, and like, but he also hated them. He's like fucking dumb Danzig shirt, fucking dumb Sam Hain shirt. Oh, this that. one time he like was like he live streamed on, and like I just watched him and his like like he had a large friend with him, and they were just like watching a TV. Like it was like on, on like a v- VCR attached to a small TV on a like a box in the living room, and they were just both drinking out of like two liter bottles of Coca Cola, oh. and it was just oh, like man. I fucking loved it. But then one day he's like, "Hey, I'm not going to be fucking uh, posting much anymore. I'm going to take a break." And but he had shaved his head and his beard, oh. and like I was like, "Oh no!" He and like my mind problem. went reeling. I was like, "Maybe he got diagnosed Ooh, with cancer." No, joined the military. Yeah. Joined the military, and he just and went. Went. He just. I know. Well, they also do that, that when you when you get. Lice? No, you get when you go to the loony bin. Oh, you think that maybe he like went off the rails a bit and had yeah. to put I don't in? miss that. I mean, that was something that was that was another part of comedy that was popular and then turned into something super ugly when Twitter came along is like the rant. Yeah. I hate yeah. 
fucking Star Wars. This is bullshit. Blah blah blah. I Hating hate things was yeah. very popular. Maybe it was just a young person things, but it seemed like everybody had a, a five minute set on why yeah. this thing yeah. sucked. Yeah. And I was no stranger to it. Like, and, and I was, I was, and, but I'm, you know, I, it, there's like in the, the if, in Instagram, there's a bunch of VHS collectors that yeah. are actually some of the coolest people in the world. I love them. VHS And dude. horror people too. Oh, like tons here's of great a, here's a, We were talking about this before uh, at one point. Horror fans are sweet. And, yes, and wonderful, and very inclusive, n- very inclusive, and happy. Yep, at, at, from my experience. But comic book fans, comic book fans, sci-fi and sci-fi fans are, are not angry. Yeah, <laughs> angry people, which is crazy because sci-fi in itself, in its most perfect form, is about inclusivity. And Star Trek, yeah, Star yeah. Trek. Yeah. it's like that's the the best version. Yeah, you know, I'm not a Star Trek fan, and I won't claim to be. But like, I, the messages are great. You Absolutely, know? they usually are. I mean, yeah. you know, where just, horror is like really bleak. Yeah, yeah, but there's. I think I, I'm. I'm so curious what, why that is. Why that is. Yeah. Why that is. Why it, and it. It might be just my own experience, but is is it is it something about sci-fi be trying to sci-fi is kind of trying to do the impossible in that it's trying to sort of predict the future where uh, and predict the future as a good thing or how, how humanity whereas will horror go. is trying to create an emotional response exactly a response yeah. yeah whereas like if you're freaked out and scared horror did a good job if you're freaked out and sca- freaked out by the sci-fi you're doing it wrong or, yeah. or, or, I, don't or know, I think it. there should be more hope in it you know is that what you're saying well i think i think when you talk about like sci-fi versus science fiction versus science fantasy yeah People want to like pick it apart by going, that would never happen because of this, this, this. You know, I remember like Harlan Ellison like hating Star Wars because you could hear the explosions in space. Yeah, Yeah. that that just would never happen. I'm like, that would be the worst movie ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just real quiet. You know, you also don't hear the soundtrack in space either. Is that all right if we put that? Yeah, Yeah. you also don't like transport in time. Yeah, uh, like yeah. you know, just from one place to the next. Yeah, the, uh, I feel like, the, the, especially with science fiction, I feel like the super devoted fans find sanctuary in it because it is inclusive and it is like uh, a vision of a better world or a better universe, depending on the scale of it. And then when they are betrayed by that, yeah, they yeah. feel so betrayed. <laughs> yeah, that's a good I think point. there's the betrayal because they're told, they've been told, you're a nerd for liking that stuff. You should yeah. watch sports. You should date girls. You should do this. You should not be a fan of this. And that the rebellion is, because I was, my rebellion was watching Doctor Who. Yeah. I was a hellion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, this is, growing up in Mayville, Wisconsin, 3,000 people, no mm-hmm. movie theater, nothing to do, mm. 13 years old. No movie theater? No movie theater. I had to, I, I had to, if I wanted to, if, at age 13, if I wanted to go see a movie, I would have to get my mom to drive me 45 minutes to Fond du Lac, to Boy. the Fond du Lac mall, mall to watch a movie. And it wasn't until I was like 16, 17. So the only thing I had was public, public television. Yeah. Public yeah. television, you know, because I would sit at home, and when you're a kid, you're like, I can't sleep. Yeah. It's 
Friday night. I don't like anybody in town. That's crazy, 45 minutes. So I'm watching, so there's nothing to do. And I became obsessed with Monty Python and Doctor Who. I would do the English accent at Mm -hmm. dinner, and my mom would say, act decent. (laughs) (laughs) Will you please pass the salt? (laughs) Maybe if you act decent, if you talk like a human being, I am talking like a human being. (laughs) If anything, that's more decent. Yeah, it's a little little classier. What are you talking about, madam? Uh, I'm trying to elevate the... (laughs) And Addiction. and I remember my one. I had a, I was terrible in school, even in art school. I was terrible. I just hated, I hated like mandatory learning. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I had a terrible, I had a terrible report card, and my mom sat me down, yelling at me, shaking her finger, and she goes, "This the you better." I was like 12, 13. You better figure out what you're doing with your life. <laughs> because this you are going to you're on a path of growing up and digging ditches and blah 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 you know like you're you're you think it's going to be all you know whatever and you I want to know what's important to you and you better not say doctor who <laughs> <laughs> and i completely unsarcastically completely legitimately burst out in tears crying snot Everything going, but it's all I have. Oh my god! It's all I have. Yeah, wow. Well, that's a good time to take a break on that. Real <laughs> it's sad. It's all note. I have. Uh, we're gonna listen to a submitted song by the Violet Lockets. They are out of Springfield, Missouri, and they submitted their song. If you want your song played on this show, email us at jonahradio at gmail.com. That's uh, Jonah Ray R A Y D I O at gmail.com. This is this. Uh, it is. Uh, we got to we'll fix it eventually. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> here is a secret by the Violet Rock.
all right. That was the Violet Lockets. Put and your if pants you're just back tuning on. in right now, we are with Rob Schraub, creator of Scud, the Disposable Assassin, uh, which is um, what, what do you? What's going on with it right now? Because like Cash is a huge fan of the show. Uh, yeah, I got really? Cash. I, tell me, book. tell me. Uh, really, uh, it's funny you were talking about uh, all those the the action movies that you found as a kid, yeah. and and all the stuff that inspired it because I found Scud this at the same time in my life. Yeah. When I was going into, into those comic stores or going into those video stores, Scud was one of the things I found along yeah. with The Killer and Hard Boiled and stuff like that. And yeah. it's it was really inspiring. And then I followed it all the way through. Um, I was a big Mafood fan at that point. Oh, and then yeah. He did... Jim, uh, Jim's the best. Tales from the Vending Machine, which yep. which blew me away, which mm-hmm. I thought was a great, great one-shot. It was basically all the uh, all other Scud... Uh, Vending machines. Do me a favor, pitch, pitch for those of you, for the few people who haven't heard of Scud the Disposable Assassin. Do what's the what's the premise? The premise of Scud the, the Disposable of, of of the book of the of main the book, book uh, is it's a robot that is supposed to be disposable uh, that that he's supposed to assassinate somebody. As soon as he assassinates somebody, he blows up. While he's in the process of assassinating his his target, he figures this out and has a. I would say a, Christ, uh, a a desire for more life, and decide and realizes if he's going to have if he's going to have a life, he needs to keep his target alive. Therefore, he was he cripples his target. He puts him in the hospital, and now is sort of chained to him by financial responsibility. He has to go out and do the thing that he knows how to do: kill people, so that he can keep his initial victim alive. Right. Is that that? That's, that's it. That's it. You nailed it. Um, and I, uh, the other thing I really wanted to ask about is the design of Jeff. Oh uh, my ju- gosh! Because ju- uh, I know you, I don't know how familiar you guys are, but Jeff is one of the craziest looking monsters. He has she actually she. Excuse me. Jeff is Jeff is a woman. I know it's so. It's, I, you know, f- one of my regrets is is calling her Jeff because I, it, it was just weird for weird sake. And it's super confusing because people like, keep on saying he, even though. It's but it, it worked. It worked for the time. But you period. didn't. You, we didn't find out later until later that way later, yeah. That she he was a she. Scud kind of found out later too. But if you go to the front of that book, that's that's there. Uh, it's she has the face of a socket. Um, plug the the face of a plug. So she would find a socket, and then the thing that that really stood out to me because it reminded me of. Um, God, now I can't remember his name, but the the guy who did the screaming hand, his knees, she, her knees are mouths, and yep. that's how she talks. Yeah, it's really fucking and weird. She speaks only in movie samples. That's movie another sample. thing. At the yeah. time, industrial music was like Skinny Puppy and Ministry. Mm. That, that was popular, and they would be sampling Evil Dead and and From Beyond and yeah. things like that. And I was like, oh. I love all these movies. This music's cool. What if there was a character that only spoke like that? Yeah, so like kind of electrical, electrical uh, bass. So like the, the, you know, the the plug face. Yeah, like, a know, plug face. Mechanical, just very yeah, like, yeah. dark. And she had a, a squid belted yes. to her, her. Her. I was chest. never quite sure if the squid was part of Jeff or it was just like a other. Later on, when later on the squid gets like unbelted from her and becomes like its own thing but they're all kind of connect they're all connected it was a big mishmash uh she had mousetrap hands mousetrap hands and she had like a big like 
all of which gets Freddy Krueger mostly like blown off her in the in the first uh, uh, yeah. issue. She I'm was, now seeing the connection between your found object robots and the comic book. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think I think when I was on Peter's couch, I was stoned once, and I was looking at a plug from an extension cord, and I was like, "That looks like a face. <laughs> that would be kind of cool to see something like that." And well, if that person, if that creature has a plug for a face. Everything else is kind of, it can't be just like yeah. a werewolf. It's yeah. got to be weird. <laughs> it's, so you got to cross I, sort of genres. Yeah. And, and I, I, I've been drawing, uh, before then I was drawing monsters with mouths on their knees all the time and uh, sometimes eyeballs. Uh, but I, 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 where Scud was very, very simple. Scud was like just no yeah. mouth, no expression. Uh, kind of based a little bit off of you know like a gesture yeah like one of those artist mold right, uh, but like, yellow yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. it was it was kind of like that and it also had like kind of like the i used to wear like long sleeve like sh- like uh, undershirt yeah, you know yeah. a yellow t-shirt on mm. top of so it was like kind it of has based, shorts scott has shorts this is kind of, that was how i was dressing yeah, <laughs> you know, you're almost so, kind of dressed that way now. Oh my God! Look at me. <laughs> yeah, you, um, <laughs> haven't grown up. But anyway, I know we got we got to wrap this up. But but yeah, like Jeff was. I wanted her to be weird, weird and complicated and detailed. Whereas Scud was going to be just very simple. Very very simple to contrast that. And then, um, but the the other thing that I because as far as I can tell, I, I guess maybe Earthworm Jim with Doug Denapel, but. Um, and the darkness. Tonight. You had a video game based on an oh, indie comic boy. book. That those are, you're getting to the dark times. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. so this segue to the dark times. All right. Okay, so around issue number four, we were at a convention and we met a guy who saw the book and said this would make a good movie. Uh, or animated series, and I said, "Well, I kind of created it because I was hoping to do, to get like on liquid television. Yeah. I wanted to be like Eon Flux." And he says, "Well, my brother is a lawyer that, you know, does this. You know, license out stuff. Uh, can I give this book to him?" And and they and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah," <laughs> and then. Uh, like it was very shortly after I was think before issue five came out, they said, we want you to we want to talk about this. Can you come to Los Angeles? If you're ever in Los Angeles, sit down and let's mm-hmm. see what we can do. And so we were, I think there was comic con or, or whatever, which was like close or something. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. there's usually that week after comic con where everybody who yeah, in the comic industry was, is in Los Angeles. Yeah. This was like around 1995 or whatever, where Scud was starting to gain some momentum. We were, it wasn't, we were starting to, I mean, we weren't like in the black, but we weren't losing money. One issue mm. would pay for the next issue mm. and we were selling t-shirts and, and we're, getting interviews and things like that. And it, and we had people would come up to us at the conventions and I was like, Oh, I have a fan base. I'm getting fan mail. Uh, so anyway, the went to Los Angeles and, and talked to this guy and they set up a bunch of meetings. We met with, um, met with like Harold Ramis's company. I believe we met with Ridley Scott's company. We met with Oliver Stone's company. And I, 
you know, we were just, that's the thing about this business. No one ever tells you how things go. Mm-hmm. They just like, we set you up a meeting with uh, yeah. Oliver Stone's company, go in there. And I would go in there and I would just kind of sit and they would look at me and I would look at them and I'm like, what are we, su- what is the, what are yeah. we supposed mm-hmm. to do? Yeah. I didn't know what yeah. a pitch was. I didn't know how to do that. And they would, they would go, okay, tell us what this is. Cause I thought, Surely you read yeah, the source yeah, yeah. material. Well, here. No, not at all. And uh, you know, we pitched it to a bunch of people, and a lot of people were like, "Yeah, it doesn't really have a." It sounds like Terminator Two. So I think I think somebody was like saying, "I think you need like a little kid to go with it." <laughs> Oliver, cousin Oliver. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Okay, all right." And and then, but I pitched it to George Leonardo's, uh, who worked for Oliver Stone. And he was, when I first met with him, like, I think Harmon was there at the time. I think Harmon was there. But at the, uh, he was stone-faced going in. I'm like, after a couple, bunch of these meetings were yeah. like, oh, God, I'm out of my element. Mm-hmm. And I, I pinched the, I gave him the elevator pitch that, oh, Scott the Disposable Assassin. In the future, uh, there are robot assassins that you could buy out of a vending machine as easily as you can get a pack of cigarettes or a candy bar and you can program them to kill anybody you want and after they destroyed their primary target they self-destruct but our scud figures out that he's going to die so and he doesn't want to die so he mortally wounds his primary target puts her on life support and becomes a freelance assassin to uh, pay for the medical bills and he laughed the entire time and he just was like oh my god that's fucking hilarious and i just rode that wave and we started showing like oh yeah well then here's where he meets voodoo ben franklin Mm -hmm. who's actually ben franklin for real who's like in the black arts and 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 likes resurrecting zombies especially zombie dinosaurs and (laughs) and uh here's like the cyber mafia there it's kind of like martin scorsese meets voltron and he just like loved it loved it loved it and this was just after natural born killers and i thought this would be the perfect place because natural born killers had all this animation in it it was like really pop culture saturated natural born killers actually was a big influence on Scud because of that saturated, yeah, it's like pop culture is almost like a, an element like the weather. It's just yeah, yeah, e- oozing. The world is oozing like that, and that's how the world of Scud was. I thought this is a perfect follow up. So they wanted to after that they go they want to make a deal, and I was like, holy shit, this is it. Yeah. I, uh, I'm I'm on my way, baby. <laughs> on my way, baby. <laughs> And it's it, 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 on my way, baby. And I'm going, Oliver Stone wants to direct the Scud the Disposable Assassin movie. Of course, that's not what they meant. Yeah. Yeah. Oliver Stone's company yeah. wants to option yeah. your book yeah. to maybe to do a uh, to do a, a script and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And and I didn't know. So come back to Milwaukee, working on the book and blah 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 blah, and and uh, my girlfriend at the time, she was like, "I'm moving to Los Angeles to be an actor." That I got accepted into, I think it was USC or something like that. I got accepted as in the acting department, and um, I'm going. So we have to break up, and I was crazy about her. I was yeah. fucking crazy about her. So I was like. 
hey, uh, <clears throat> maybe we should move out to Los Angeles to uh, be close to the movie. <laughs> I think that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and so I moved out here to be with her. And like, I think within a month, we broke up for real. Yeah. <laughs> it was not a good relationship. Um, I actually based... If you read, if you read it, Susudio is her. Oh, really? <laughs> and you can see like how it starts off nice yeah. and then it goes shitty. <laughs> Which, okay, so I found out, Dan and I wanted to write the script. We found out very quickly that comic book people don't write movie scripts. Nope. We get a, a screenwriter to write movie scripts. And so they hired somebody else to write the script. And we read it, and we hated it. Mm-hmm. Of course, you yeah. know it was like it wasn't even. And I look back at it now, and I go, "Yeah, I was hanging on to a bunch of stuff that really wouldn't really wasn't realistic or wouldn't work, and sounded really expensive or too out there." Yeah, that's the one thing that you find out very quickly out here that, like, my ideas. You know, I would pitch all my ideas, and people go, "Wow, that's really kooky and out there." And I would be like, "Yeah." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? It's really different. No one's ever seen anything like that. It's really crazy. And I found out that that was a negative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, no, it needs to feel like something else. And, and so that was something that I still wrestle with to this day. But, you know. Hence the name of your, the book you put out. Uh, I can't do anything I else. I can't do anything else. <laughs> I can't do anything else. This is, this is how I work. And uh, which leads me back to like my love of this stuff that no one's ever heard of. Yeah. I mean, that's where my taste goes. I mean, whenever I get into a situation where I'm frustrated, where I'm like, God damn it, how come I can't have like a big hint that people love? And, blah, 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 and Kate will go, my wife Kate will go, You don't like any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. You like weird, obscure things. And the more people haven't heard of it, the more you love it. And that's what you're going to make. Yeah. What I was think, that Bobcat quote in the New York Times? Yeah, thing? the Bobcat Goldie in the New York Times had a great quote where uh, he said, uh, people put such an, uh, I'm paraphrasing, people have such an obsession uh, about success uh, and they value that over quality, quality of, of life. life yeah. yeah. And then he says, like, um, like uh, people who want success are creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, really, I mean, you know, and I went through that. That was the, yeah, Lego 2. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. That was an experiment that was destined to fail, but I mean, I'd re- re- better to uh, have than to have have not. Yeah. Well, there's there's something uh, you know. Speaking once with uh. Is that the is that our time is up? No, no. It's just okay. that's a lesson. Adding a little that's flavor. A little lesson. Oh. But even like uh, like Jerry Stahl was he was talking about once about like he's like yeah it seems like a every time I think I have a book that's gonna like bust me into like this other stratosphere of where I don't have to necessarily like write another book to make a living you know like he's like he, and and i i was saying to him i was like yeah i always feel like it's like i'm always like right getting up to this point where i'm like at this spot where i feel like i'm just so close to getting past and and then we both kind of realized it's like oh but what who were the artists and the people that we really liked growing up and like we're ju- we're like hitting their marks or we're yeah. getting close yeah. to like i'm sure we they were them. frustrated too yeah, yeah. Like, ah how come i can't be yeah. whatever but it's 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 interesting now that I think about it. I was never, I've never been more present, you know, and mindful, mindfulness present in those early days of Scud and early days of Channel 101. Hmm. I was always thinking, like, this is the best comic book I've ever 
red mm-hmm. and I'm making it yeah. and I'm a fan and I can't wait to see what happens next. <laughs> I'm, this, while I'm working on this one, I have an idea for another issue. That's yeah. going to be great. I can't wait to do this. Blah, 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 blah. The minute success comes in, the minute quote unquote success, the minute they go, Hey kid, you got the goods. We want to make your thing into a movie. That's when you stop being mindful and start thinking of end game. Yep, going, yeah. Once I get a movie, then I'll get the thing, and then I'll get yep, a thing, yeah. and then I'll be Steven Spielberg. Well, then <laughs> you I, know I'll get an island like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. Then I have to ask about this because you got through twenty issues of Scud. Yo. Set up a. Well, this is this is also the time of the video game. If I could circle back. Okay, go go. Ahead. Okay, so finally, okay, so nineteen ninety. Eight or 97, uh-huh. moved out to Los Angeles with just a comic book with the hopes that Dan and I are going to write the movie. Mm-hmm. They, when we moved in to town, Oliver Stone's people were like, why are you here? Oof. Yeah. And we were to help out with the movie. <laughs> and they were like, oh, sweetie, that's not how it works. <laughs> Yeah. And we're like, okay. And we're like, well, you can't write the script. We're getting a screenwriter to write the script. And, and we're like, well, how do you become a screenwriter? And somebody said, well, you write a spec script, and if people like it, then you know they hire you. And so I go to Dan, well, let's write a spec script. And uh, meanwhile, video game SegaSoft comes to us and says, hey, we love Scud. We want to make a video game. And we're like, oh, my God, this is going to be great. Going to be rich. Cha-ching. Yeah. <laughs> money, 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 money. This is going to be great. End game. End game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You start thinking end game, end game, end game. But really what it was, and they were lovely guys. They were nice guys, and they loved Scud. But they had a game already in place. Oh, really? That, you know, did a bunch of stuff or whatever. And so what they were like, they're going, look, we got this game. We need a gimmick. We love the gimmick of Scud. We just want to take Scud and put him in this game. Cut and paste. And we'll uh, add like a bunch of stuff that maybe could allude to it. And so that was the first. Uh, and 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 it it was it was rough because I was having a rough time with my relationship. Mm-hmm. I just moved into Los Angeles. Didn't know anybody. Uh, int- the internet. I first had an email address around 1980. So now fans could write me and tell me that I suck. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. And call me and tell me that why is my book suck and not good anymore. And I was getting angry because I did everything right. Yeah. And everything went exactly the way the plan was. I'm going to graduate art school. I'm going to make a comic book. It's going to be really huge. I'm going to be Steven Spielberg and blah, 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 whatever. And it got almost there and then stopped and plateaued. The video game came out, uh, and it was a side-scrolling game, when Doom and Duke Nukem were going through the roof. Well, it's also, it's one of the few... a, it was on Sega Saturn, which probably didn't do you any favors. No, no. The, the, the platform, like, bellied up. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and then they, they, they said, oh, we're going to get all these cool bands to play. And it was a bunch of shitty bands yeah. that I was like, huh, I don't like any of these songs. This isn't music that I would listen to. Did you, did you have anything to do with, like, the, the, the open of the game? Uh, I, Dan, they, here's the thing. They gave us animation, and they said, hey, can you and Dan 
write the script. And then I said, okay, but we're doing the voices. That's what I thought. I thought I, 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 I thought I heard cool. your voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, they wanted to get... Oh, who do they want to get? It'll come to me later. But I, uh, they wanted to get somebody to do the voice of Sked, and I go, I don't like him. I don't, I, 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 mean, I don't like the voice. It's not what I'm picturing. I'll do the voice of Scud. And it was awful. Hey, hospital, can you uh, keep a monster alive? So it was just like really at my shrabbiest and so embarrassing and, and not good and, and whatever. But, but anyway, it, it, we, we, we did as much as we could. Yeah. It was also like the advertisers didn't get Scud and yeah. they kept trying to do all like these jokes that were really like lame and we were like, no, 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 I don't like that. I don't like that. And then we get into arguments with them and I'm like, hey, look, you know, I'm not laughing. I don't know what to tell you. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was our first introduction to like how advertising is. Anyway, like, so... The video game mm -hmm. fell apart. My thing that this is it. Yeah. The movie was going to be written by somebody else. The script sucked. Uh, wasn't happy with them. They were kind of because we kept complaining. They were slowly pushing us out. Yeah. Didn't know anybody having complete culture shock going from Milwaukee to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. My girlfriend, who I was crazy about, broke up with me. Uh, started dating somebody else. I was lonely, sad. Uh, we had, we like, the our 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 our, uh, our we we rented a house that we couldn't afford, mm -hmm. and I was in charge. Uh, and the only way we would make money is if I would do a book. Mm -hmm. And so I had like Dan and these two other guys were living in this house, and everybody was just kind of sitting around waiting for me to get done with this book that I was slowly Jesus. resenting yeah. because it didn't give me what I wanted, what I right. felt like I was promised to, and I was not present. I was like, I did everything right. It's the, I was living the dream, and the dream tricked me, <laughs> and now yeah. I hate this. The fans, I hate my fans, I hate my book, and... So go ahead. Now it leads to like it leads to okay. So 20th, as a 20th reader, issue. as a reader, the twentieth issue comes out. I don't remember. I don't remember if it was announced as a finale, but it was. Scud is going to fight God. That was that was the the. Well, the setup. No, no, that's not really it. You're fucking it up a little. Like okay, so no, it's, Scud and Susudio go to heaven. Go to heaven, and. Uh, they found out that the angels and seraphim have mutinied against God. Yes. And they put him in this giant machine, which I basically was kind of illustrating, forcing God to create a rock that he couldn't lift. <laughs> so he's like bound in this thing. for, a, And that was the reason why the world was so fucked. Yes. The reason was the reason the world was so surreal with giving birth to creatures like Jeff and uh, and just having aliens and mutated things is like the uh, the end of the world was supposed to happen years ago. Yes. And but God, uh, God, God wouldn't throw the first punch. Mm -hmm. God's not going to is like, I'm not going to throw the first punch. And. And what, what the angels were, were like, look, human beings are like honeybees. 
They create stuff. We love their DVD players, their media. We love all that stuff. We don't care about the people. We want the stuff. They were very materialistic. And and the idea was, uh, at the end of the world, they would go down and harvest and then destroy the planet. But God wouldn't throw the first punch, and the devil never showed up because of the events of Drywall Unzipped. Mm-hmm. So the angels are freaking out going, when are we going to go shopping? We want to get all that stuff. What's going on? And so they mutiny and they put God in this machine. And then Scud and Susudio eventually show up um, because of the interdimensional horse, which everyone hated, but <laughs> fuck them. Whatever. I love the horse, uh, the horse series. Everybody hated that. I love the horse. Uh, they 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 traveled accidentally to heaven on an interdimensional horse, and uh, and the the seraphim who are, were the he- head of the mutiny said, "Okay, well, we kept trying to end the world and lists all these things that happened to Scud. Like we sent a, we put a werewolf on the moon. Yeah. We we uh, we 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 tried to we gave Voodoo Ben the ability to create zombie dinosaurs. We tried to do this. We tried to do that. And you always got in the way. So obviously, you know, you're the only thing. You're the piece of stuff that we can't control. That man has made. You're obviously in charge." So we want you, we want to hire you to do one last hit, assassin. Mm-hmm. We want you to kill the earth. And Scud's like, in this time, in this time that he's been existing, ironically, this robot has become like the most humane yeah. character in, in it. You know, like these people are miserable. Everybody's killing each other. Everybody's lying to each other. And he's. He, he just wants to live. He just wants to live. Yeah. And. Uh, and so he's like thinking of all of the people that he's met that are on earth that he cares about. He's like, I can't destroy the earth. My friends are there. And they said, oh, okay, well, here we are. We've been watching you for a while. You're a disposable assassin who is wants nothing more than you've been running and running from death your entire existence. And all you want to do is live, but you never had anything to live for until you met her, Susudio, his mm-hmm. girlfriend, who, based off of my girlfriend, you had nothing to live <laughs> for until you had her. So we're going to take her away. And they butcher her in front of him. They cut off her arms and legs and mutilate her in front of Scud. Like they hold down, like, Goodfellas style and <laughs> force him to watch her getting hacked to pieces. And and then and then so the the, the issue twenty ends with Scud holding holding Susudio's lifeless bloody corpse, looking up and said, "Okay, I'll do it." And then nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing for there was a rumor that twelve I, years. I, I was suppo- I said I'm going to do one more book and then I have to close it up because uh, in this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the spec script that Harmon and I wrote was finished. We wrote this movie that was uh, about giant insects, insects taking over America. And the reason why I said did giant insects is because this was the time of like Men in Black, uh-huh. uh, Independence Day, and like all this 50s stuff was kind of uh, alien invasion stuff was 
coming back. Coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Only with bigger and better special effects. And I said, well, the next thing is going to be giant insects. People giant are going to start. Giant bug movies. Follows it, right along. Yeah. You know, it's like, I think that would be easier to, to animate in CG than, than a dinosaur. Than the White House. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> a giant ant. So I, I said, let's do a giant ant movie. And we'll call it Big Ant Movie, and because of Men in Black and ID4 yeah. and stuff, it'll be called BAM for short, B-A-M. And we wrote it, and it, I, I looked at it at like a year ago. It's still pretty fun. It was before we really knew what, how to do it right. Yeah. Right. And it's very dated, but it was, it, it was like had big action, lots of jokes. It didn't take itself seriously, and... We um, we uh, we had we had the script, and we met. This is how weird this is. Okay, so Teddy Tenenbaum, who's a writer, met with Oliver Stone's people to write the Scud screenplay. He didn't get the job, but he became a fan of the comic book. Mm -hmm. Okay, and he found out because we said in the comic book that we moved out to Los Angeles. And he wrote us, thanks to my email address that I got, hey... Um, you on like an Earthlink then? Or? <laughs> something like okay. I don't even remember what it was. It was probably Earthlink. But he, he wrote, he goes, hey, I heard you guys moved out to Los Angeles. You obviously want to get into movies. I want to get into comic books. Can we meet up for a drink? Met up for a drink. And he... We, we got along. We loved it. He says, I love the book. I love the thing. I like that. And he says, I just, I really would love to do that. And I said, hey, I'm doing this spinoff, Tales from the Vending Machine. Mm -hmm. Write a script. I'll give you an, uh, an, uh, an artist, and we'll publish you. Would you read our spec script? Oh, nice. Oh. He read the spec script and said, and called us up and goes, this is really good. This is really great. You know, Blair, at the time, her name was Blair Belcher who worked for uh, Oliver Stone, I pitched my take of the Scudder Disposable Assassin movie to her. She is no longer working for Oliver Stone. She is an agent at UTA now. Nice. Could I give this script to her? And I went, yeah, okay. <laughs> and this... Give it to everyone. <laughs> give it to everybody. Okay, so we didn't hear anything for a while, and... Things were getting dark, bad. You know, I did issue twenty. I was like, I was like, fuck this. I hate this. I don't want to do any more conventions. I wasn't getting along with uh, my business partner. I, Dan and I were always fighting. Um, it was, it was, it was just. Uh, there was a, a a part of me was like, going, I shouldn't have come out here. I think I might move back. Yeah. And I think, and I, I was like. I don't know if you did this when you moved out here, but uh, but you were you lived you were born out you were born in Hawaii, yeah. right? Okay, but did you when you first <laughs> when you first moved here, did you like? Oh, I'm gonna go back for the weekend. I'm gonna go back. You know, you would have homesick, or would you? No, I didn't. I couldn't afford to go back. Uh, yeah, it yeah. was like flights to Hawaii are real expensive. I guess so. Flights to Milwaukee. Not so much. Pretty cheap. Yeah. <laughs> so I was finding myself like going home a like, lot. A lot. Yeah. And and it became easier and easier. And then at one point, Blair called Dan at his old apartment. I think I remember this. And she said, hey, uh, Teddy Tenenbaum gave me Big Ant movie. 
I had it in my briefcase, and I was doing the rounds, meeting with all these movie studio, uh, studios, these new production companies. One of the companies was Image Movers, Robert Zemeckis' company. Mm-hmm. And he and, the, and Bennett Schneer said, hey, do you have any writers that can do anything with giant insects? Oh. <laughs> this is totally true. And she's like... Well, I got a script called Big Ant Movie that I think is pretty good. Maybe you should take a look at it. <laughs> she had she read it, or was she just like, "Thank I God, that's in my briefcase." She didn't. <laughs> but, but anyway, I mean, like she had it in her she had it in her briefcase. Yeah, handed it over to him. They read it. They loved it. They said, "We want to meet with those guys." We met with them, and uh, you know, like, and again. Nobody told us what to do. Yeah, right. You know, and they go. They said, "Have some ideas to pitch. Have some ideas to pitch because they might want, n- n- might not want to do big ant movie." And so Dan goes, "Well, how many should we do? Let's do 10, 10 pitches." Mm-hmm. So got out the shoebox and like was coming up with this, coming up with that, coming up with this. I didn't pitch Scud. Never pitched Scud. Wow. I didn't. And I, I think about that right now. I didn't. If you look at. Um, uh, if you look at the my art book, but I can't do anything else. There's like a mummy cowboy, mm-hmm. you know, a gunslinging cowboy. That was gonna be the that was the one. Mm-hmm. That was the that one. was the one you were going the, in the room. There, with. That was yeah. we got all these other ones, but that one's the one. Just before we went in, it was it was like the night before. I was it was super hot, so I walked outside and just kind of looked at palm trees and I turned around and I looked at the house that was too expensive for us. It was a huge house. And I looked back at it and I, and I went, huh, that looks like a face. <laughs> Just like the plug. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe I was stoned. I don't know. But it looked, <laughs> I looked like it looks like a face. And then I come into the, the office where Dan was like working and I said, how about a movie called Monster House? And I, I held up my hands. It's called Monster. <laughs> Let me see if I can do it. It's called, it's called Monster House. <laughs> I held up my hands like it's called Monster House. The house is a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Dracula. Doctor Dracula. And Dan laughed out loud. And his girlfriend at the time was like. That is so stupid. <laughs> and I said, and that's why it's going to work. Yeah. Because in anybody who's done like design or advertising or anything like that, when you go to your client and you, and you go, I've got all these thumbnails for ideas. Mm-hmm. And you go, hmm, I got like th- three ideas. It would be better if I had four. Ah, fuck it. I'm going to do just one yeah. bullshit one. Yeah, that's the one. Just to, yeah. That's the one they always pick. So I go... Let's do a dumb one on purpose. Smart. And Dan's like, okay, whatever. I think, I think Rot Gut, the mummy cowboy, is, <laughs> is really That's good. And I go, name. I think it's good too, but I think Monster House is. A, and so we went through, we went through our, you know, we were three pitches in. We did the mummy cowboy thing, did the whole song and dance, and they're like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> and then we get to Monster House. And I go, and Dan's even like kind of go, Shrab's got an idea. Listen to it. He's, like, <laughs> he's like fucking with me. And I go, I go, okay, this one's called Just tightening Monst- the rope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is this is this is Harmon and I's relationship. Like, so I do the same thing. I go, it's called Monster House. The house is a monster. And they went, 
What? And, 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 <laughs> okay, so think about like an old Amblin film. It's like Goonies. It's like it's like Halloween. Uh, you know, they're going trick or treat door to door, but but uh, the night before they crossed Old Man Nebercracker's lawn, and yeah. he screams at them, "Get off my lawn!" Has a heart attack and dies, and his ghost possesses his house, and he's going to have revenge on these kids by eating them all. And mm-hmm. it's up to like these this bunch of misfit kids who nobody believes to save them all from the monster house. And that was the pitch. <laughs> and they were like, okay. And then we started going into, okay, well, this is, a, this is, this is one about a, a world that all exists in the shoebox. And, blah, 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 blah. and they went, can we stop for a second? Can we go back to monster house? <laughs> and then we just talked about monster house. The rest of the meeting left uh, them going, I've never done a real pitch meeting before, but that seemed pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that seemed pretty good. They were laughing a lot. Yeah, they were laughing a lot. Thankfully, they like, kind of were into that dumb monster house <laughs> idea. And uh, and then like the next day, Blair calls up crying almost, saying they want to do a deal with you. Now, the thing about Blair is she was a new agent. She was instructed, you are to take the clients that aren't working right now. Yeah. Probably what I'm doing, you know, yeah. it, it, like, it, and you are not to get any new clients. Mm-hmm. So she was going, she was doing something wrong by even scheduling this meeting. Yeah, they. they so we were her first clients, and making her a, a real. She was a real agent at that. Right. Wow. Yeah, she met her bones on it. Yeah, and so she was not sharing any of that money with anybody. But anyway, uh, so here's Scud. Pissing me off. Yeah. Here's Monster House, Robert Zemeckis, Steven Spielberg <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> saying, come into the light, come on to the our side. And I was like, I'm done. Right. And I went to there and that had its own problems or whatever. But I left Scott. And there was always yeah. like the idea of, well, I'll get to it. It went from, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to be a couple months late. Two, it's going to be a year late. Two, it's going to be a couple years late. Yeah. Two, I'll get to it when I get to it. Stop asking me. Two, you know some fuck off because you ask so much. I'm never going to do it. <laughs> fuck off. And it was just like slowly going away. Uh, people weren't talking about it as much. Um, Monster House actually was going to be live action. Really? It was originally written to be live action, and it was written in 1998. And people liked the script. Harmon was like, it's never was finished or whatever like that. But people liked the script. But they were like, when the house gets out of the ground, it loses credibility. We're never going to be able to do that with the technology today. And they were talking about, well, maybe the house should never get out of the ground. People really love that. Whatever. Anyway, it was put on the shelf for eight years. Wow. And then in 2008, no, 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 2005, the movie comes out. Because of this mocap technology, yeah. and they do it animated, it comes out. All of a sudden, my name is up next to Spielberg. Spielberg up to Spiel uh, and Robert Zemeckis, and people were like, going, "Rob Schraub, whatever happened to Scud?" Mm-hmm. And I had a website, and people were like, "Going, what happened to Scud? What happened to Scud? What happened to Scud? What happened to Scud?" And Image Comic Books came to me and said, "Hey, you know, how about we?" Re- Doug Tenaple said, "You know, we should reprint." All your old issues. How about you know? You give us all the art. We'll 
put it in a nice book and yeah. and and we'll do a big trade paperback would you be into that and i was like yeah i'd be into that but i'll i'd be such an asshole if a big <laughs> trade paperback yeah. came out <laughs> with that nihilistic whole fuck you to the audience ending how about i you know do like a 15 20 page little serif cap on it yeah yeah thanks for the fun folks you know like goodbye and they were like yeah that'd be great go for it and so this is like 2005 2006 had an opening between seasons of sarah so we didn't we always were like off for a year we never knew if we were gonna get picked up so i remember like the day where i was like okay this is this is destiny calling. I have. I always said I would do it. I'm gonna. I don't want to be on my deathbed with a <laughs> with Sketchbook. an incomplete yeah. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, uh, and I typed out like the the announcement on my website, and I just and it was basically just the last panel of Scud saying, "Okay, I'll do it," and me writing, "More to come," and. I sat staring at that for the longest time before I said, uh, publish. return. Yeah. yeah, publish. And I was like, oh, shit. Now you've committed yourself. I'm, I'm like, as soon as I press this button, I can't let my fans down. I yeah. can't, no turning back. And I'm like, I haven't drawn a comic book in, at the time, it was like eight, nine years. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. What if I'm not good enough? All this insecurity, all this stuff is happening. And I just was like, fuck it, click, boom. Now, my website was because of Heat Vision and Jack and Monster House and, uh, you know, a couple of other things. Uh, Robot Bastard, like, Mm -hmm. got some traffic. That, like, afternoon, my website just exploded. Like, oh, no. there was, like, all these people, like, going, what? Oh, my gosh. How are you doing? Kevin Smith was talking about it. <laughs> Jim Mafood called me up and goes, hey, man. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? What's going on? I was like, oh, yeah. Hey, I need to talk to you about some stuff. You you work with Image, right? Yeah. I need to kind of know, like, like, what is their page size because yeah yeah i know i know i know why i know why are you serious are you gonna do this and i was like yeah i think i was probably gonna do you know like a little 10 15 page you know little goodbye and, and he goes that's really fucking cool and so anyway i committed myself to do it and i started drawing it and i was a little rusty at first but then it started the muscle memory kicked in and there was a point in the book and I was I had every intention. I'm just gonna now I'm just gonna do twenty-eight pages and I'm out, son. Yeah. Mic drop. Forget <laughs> it. Now when I do comic books, I never write this I never wrote the script out. Oh, okay. I mm-hmm. would thumbnail it out mm-hmm. or have an outline of what I wanted to do. And I had kind of like a beginning, a middle, and end of what was gonna do, which was something that was always percolating in the back of my head and actually what I wanted to do with the ending of the Scud movie had it, Dan and I got to write it. Yeah. And so I had all these different versions of it and um, in my head I had like a really bad sad version and then I had a happy version or whatever. But anyway, I dove into it. I started, started drawing, 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 drawing. And one of the things that I didn't realize 
when I was doing. I'm sorry, this is taking so long. Oh no no no! Uh, okay. I mean, one I of did, the things I, did I didn't realize. Cash, Cash is the one that has to leave. It's not me at all. Okay. So you keep <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. One of the things I didn't realize uh, while I was doing the book was that my fan base was actually like 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. They weren't 24, yeah, 25 mm-hmm. like I was. They were actually 12. They were much younger than me. And so. In two thousand and eight or what or, or, or two thousand and six or whenever when I announced it, I started finding out now now it's and these kids have grown up. Yeah. They have disposable income. They mm-hmm. are nostalgic for yeah. Scud. And I was like, Oh, that's very interesting. And so there's the character of drywall, mm-hmm. which was this this like sack blue sack burlap sack looking character that was covered in zippers had buttons for eyes and had like interdimensional it was like like a limited space inside yeah it was like a tardis you know it was bigger on the inside than the outside doctor who reference so it and he and he could pull out any object from his vast storage he was called a stuff collector he was actually one of he was the devil's version of a stuff collector Mm -hmm. like the devil like the hell was gonna send out like an army of these things to collect all the stuff because they were it was like they were in opposition to the angels. It was like Black Friday, yeah. You know, like and the angels. Jeff was the stuff collector or one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That there it was. They were their version of a stuff collector or something like that. So like when when the the trumpet blast happened, it would be just like a squad of these. And drywall was a prototype that didn't work out and. Somehow, you find out in the origin of drywall in his, in his one shot, so which anyway, is which is in this right, which is in which is in which the is whole in the shebang. whole shebang, right? And uh, so, I drywall was always kind of like a little kid to mm-hmm. to me in the original like run. He was like about the same age as the kids. I didn't do this intentionally. Like, it was about the same age as the kids that were Reading. loving yeah. Scud and. It's funny that, you know, like like I was told by Hollywood, you need a little kid to go along with it. Yeah. And that was, my version, that was <laughs> my version of the little kid. It's bigger than a TARDIS inside a burlap sack with button eyes. That's my version of a kid. <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, so when I decided to come back 10 years after the, the 20th, mm-hmm. I wanted to make like... The ten, I was inspired by like what um, Russell T. Davies did with the Doctor Who uh, yeah. mm-hmm. reboot and making like that gap a part of the canon. Yeah. And so when Scud returns, 10 years have passed, the world has changed, and Drywall has grown up. Drywall is now, you know, 24, 25, mm-hmm. you know, the age of the fans. Right. And there's this scene that's at the end of like the first issue of Twenty One. We hmm. divided it up into like because it was so long. Was it twenty? It, it ends up 21. at twenty four, right? Twenty four, yeah. yeah. It was supposed to be only one book yeah. and a short one at that. When there was this, there was this moment where Drywall was like, "Why did you go?" Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was, it was, it was really an emotional thing that happened to me because I, 
I felt like there was like this responsibility that I had. And I, I was like, I can't just phone this in. Mm-hmm. There is, there's a group of people, and I don't care if they're small, that this is really important to. And I, I was like, I'm just going to see this through. And this book that was supposed to be like 15, the 10, 15 pages, 20 pages, became 30 pages. Mm-hmm. Then became 35 pages. Then became 40 pages. Then became 50 pages. And there was a point where I was like, I don't know when this is going to finish. I feel like <laughs> yeah. I might be doing this the rest a of my sisyphi- life. But I kept following it. And you can see like in the book how I'm pouring myself. There's a, a, a part of that finale where, where Scud is like going, I have to finish this. Yeah. I have no choice. I have yeah. to finish this. And that's me screaming to the page. I have to finish this. It's me cheering myself on. Finish this. Finish this. I really felt like there's no way this is ever going to work. Um, and I just, I was, I, I think I was back then I was super present. Yeah. You know, I, I, and actually that was the hardest year of my life because like halfway through, halfway into the first 10 pages, the Sarah Silverman program got picked up. Ugh. Uh, and no. then I had to go to work. Yeah, yeah. And then I had to shoot. And this was the season with Breve, which was the yeah. hardest thing I ever shot because I wrote it, I directed it, I built that robot. I you know, it was, it was the hardest thing I ever did. I and and the hardest thing I ever did <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, it was Dude, your off time. That was a rough that was a I and you, I, you played that year on hard. Yeah, like that like it seems like it's just yeah. It, I, it required I, it, so much of you. It, 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 you the, I tell people, if I would have known how much work it would have been, I never would have done it because I was that's too much work. Yeah. So it's I, fu- it's uh, just just to put this together with what you were talking about uh, at the beginning of like you coming in having done more work than everybody else. Like combine that with also doing two very hard. I mean between breathe and and what you were just talking about two hard emotional things to do yeah. and you're still putting yourself into it at that I'm going to do more than everybody else. Yeah, but I can't do anything else. That's my my mantra. Yeah, yeah. I mean like yeah. I I like people go why do you do that? I like ah, I don't know. It just happens. Yeah. It just happens. I I when I'm feeling something I put it on the page and I don't do anything unless I love it or I'm emotionally attached to it, you know. I I tried doing the big franchise thing. Mm. I tried being the guest director. Uh, and I, it just doesn't, it just yeah. doesn't it's work not for, for everybody. It's not for working. Yeah. I mean, like that's with, with, I mean, it was hard to leave Lego too, yeah. mm-hmm. but I was like, I can't make a, I can't make something like this because I just don't, it's, it's not me. It's yeah. just, it's, 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 it's I, I like, uh, the way that that movie was being made at the time, I was like, well, you don't need me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need me to do what you're asking to do. Yeah. That's a lot of times on uh, like, like established sitcoms, the guest director is just the traffic cop. Yeah. 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 I I compare it to start here. You end up there. I I compare it to, you know, being a guest director, you meet great people. It's great. Like, but you're basically the friend with a truck. Yeah, and yeah. the show is the friend that you never see that goes, "Hey, I'm moving." Yeah, yeah. 
can you help me take my furniture across town? Can you get the shit from A to B? I don't give a fuck where you think the couch should be or if yeah. the picture should be on this wall. Yeah. Just get it here. We'll take it from there, sweetie. You know? So, Rob, to, to, wrap, to wrap it up, because okay. Cash has got to get to uh, Palm Springs. Uh, I'm going to get yelled at. You brought cameras. Yeah. You, got, you brought a camera or a few cameras okay. here. What's going on? Okay, What's so, the elevator pitch for this? So anyway, so uh, so Scud, the whole shebang. Anyway, long story short, I finished it, and it was like one of the best things I've ever done. One of the proudest moments of my life. And this is the, what, fourth printing of this book, Damn. and it's selling better than it ever has. That's great. Which Excellent. is amazing. Um Scud turns 25 next year, so the he can run a car. He can. <laughs> so the hope, is, my 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 feeling is, I'm teaming up with Starburns. We're going to do a Kickstarter to do a color version. Oh wow! Of this book, which nice. is almost 800 pages long. Amazing. That's incredible. And it's. I mean, here's the thing. I don't want to phone in the color. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I don't want to like, I mean, think about it. If it's $50 a page, which is shit money for anybody to do, Mm. it's like almost 40 grand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, Kate will kill me if I drop 40 grand. (laughs) So I, and actually what I'd like to do is I'm going to do a Kickstarter to raise 40 grand so I can pay not just one artist, but a couple of artists. You get Steve Struble, who does Little Depressed Boy. Uh, he's a good colorist. Are you okay? I'm just saying he's okay. Yeah, just you know all right. Him. You know him, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like Starburns is like got a bunch of artists that I want to sure, do. Sure. I just Little Depressed Boy is an image comic, and he's a guy. He's like a punk rock dude, kind of like you, just out doing. He's in Texas. Uh, oh, okay. Where, I, where, I wanted, where can people go for the Kickstarter? Like it's not up yet. Not this is all it. new, 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 new. Okay. okay. This, this episode is, goes up. Uh, for the listeners right now. So stay tuned. Stay <laughs> tuned okay. to my Twitter account, Rob Schraub, and uh, Facebook. Fantastic follow. Rob Schraub. Yeah. Anyway. Insta- in- Instagram. Schraub Home Video. is There's Rob Schraub, and then there's Schraub Home Video, which also, which is dedicated well, well, these, to... All these links, all you can get all your Rob Schraub links uh, on the... Yeah. On the uh, and Starburns page. will announce it too, but yeah. we're we're the hope is to get like three or four artists to, you know, work at it with another artist and myself to kind of oversee the whole thing and to get it done right and well and on time because <laughs> uh, that's a lot of work. It's a year's worth of work, and if we can make if we can make like that forty grand, that'll 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 get us across the finish line. Anything else from that will just make it better. You yeah. know, we'll we'll add another artist. We'll do something a little bit more. To, we'll add pages. We'll I'll I'll add more panels. I'll I'll clean up stuff. Wow. It'll be the special edition. That's you know. awesome. Uh, and so we're there's going to be great. Like I'm going to give away like pages, t-shirts, uh, old Scud stuff, stuff that hasn't seen the light of day since '95 or or whatever. Nice. But. Um, but until then, you can go to Schraub Home Video on Instagram, which will take you to my Scud eBay store, which sells like old Scud single issues, mint condition Scud issues, because I'm just trying to make space in my yeah. kitchen. <laughs> and uh, and also Tee Public, which isn't Scud, 
but my T Public Schraub Home Video uh, store so from all the uh, kind of stuff that you does talk about my in VHS art and yeah. Harmontown stuff, and, and then the next awesome. season of Mystery Science Theater, which you were the director yes. of, yes, and which did a I'm fantastic really job. For. I think. Thank you. This, this next season is elevated solely because of you. Oh, you're sweet. Yeah. All right. Uh, How, who are we going out with? Uh, we're going to go out with a, a song uh, by a band called Roar. They're out of Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, the song's called Afraid, um, off their new album, Pathetic Aesthetic.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.